You are listening to community-supported radio, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, March 5th, 2021. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Right after the latest NPR News headlines, we'll have the California Report from KQED Public Radio, including a story on efforts to prevent extinction of the monarch butterfly. After that, a roundup of regional weekend weather and cultural news. Then, Felton Pruitt talks to musician Paul Cam of Achilles Wheel about the band's future plans and their year without a calendar. For their generous support of KVMR Community Radio, we'd like to thank Ola Tortilla, offering homemade organic tortillas and tamales utilizing locally sourced ingredients and products, along with imported food products and gifts from Oaxaca, Mexico. Located next to Food & Juice in Nevada City or at olatortilla.com. Here are the latest headlines from National Public Radio. Live from NPR News, I'm Jack Spear. A former State Department aide during the Trump administration is now among those charged in connection with the January insurrection at the U.S. Capitol building. NPR's Ryan Lucas reports the man has been identified as Federico Klein. FBI agents took Federico Klein into custody Thursday outside of Washington, D.C. He faces several charges in connection with the attack on the Capitol on January 6th including obstruction of Congress and assaulting an officer with a dangerous weapon. Klein served on the 2016 Trump campaign. He then worked in the Trump administration as a mid-level political appointee at the State Department from 2017 through Joe Biden's inauguration. The FBI says in court documents that Klein can be seen in videos from January 6th using a police shield to violently shove officers protecting the Capitol. Federal prosecutors have charged more than 300 people so far in connection with the January 6th insurrection. Ryan Lucas, NPR News, Washington. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is blasting the Biden administration for allowing asylum seekers to re-enter the country while their cases play out in U.S. immigration court. Texas Public Radio's Lauren Terrazas reports the Republican is claiming without evidence that COVID-positive migrants are crossing the border and spreading the virus. Governor Abbott said in a statement Thursday that border security is strictly a federal responsibility and that the Biden administration is putting Americans at risk by allowing migrants to re-enter the country. And at a news conference Friday, he reiterated his claim. Under the Biden administration, he is releasing into the United States people who are COVID positive who are going across not just Texas, but elsewhere in the country. Other Texas GOP leaders are supporting the governor's accusations, including U.S. Senator John Cornyn and Congressman Tony Gonzalez. CNN has reported that the Biden administration has tried to provide border communities with federal funds to test migrants, but that Abbott has not signed off on the plan. For NPR News, I'm Lauren Terrazas in San Antonio. The Biden administration is promising to work with Congress to replace decades-old authorizations for the use of military force that many lawmakers have long criticized as overly broad. More from NPR's Scott Detrow. Over the years, there's been a growing push from lawmakers in both parties to repeal and rewrite laws granting presidents power to launch military operations without needing additional approval from Congress. Those demands returned after Biden ordered targeted airstrikes in Syria last week. Many Democrats, including Virginia Senator Tim Kaine, criticized the move. Now, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the administration will work with Congress to replace the older, broader authorizations 
with what she called, quote, a narrow and specific framework that's aimed at terrorist threats. Scott Detrow, NPR News, Washington. Stocks closed higher. The Dow was up 572 points. The Nasdaq rose 196 points today. You're listening to NPR. The Minnesota Court of Appeals is ordering a judge to reconsider adding a third-degree murder charge to the counts faced by a former Minneapolis police officer in the death of George Floyd. The three-judge panel today saying a trial judge erred when he rejected a motion to reinstate the third-degree murder charge against Derek Chauvin. Chauvin was captured on video kneeling on Floyd's neck during an arrest. The ruling could set up a possible delay in the former police officer's trial, which was due to start Monday. NASA's newest rover has taken its first drive on the surface of Mars. NPR's Jeff Bromfield says everything appears to be going smoothly so far. The Perseverance rover rolled just 21 feet. The goal was to check out the rover's drive system and some of the imaging software it uses to search for obstacles. It also took a picture of the tire tracks it left behind. Anais Zarifian is an engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. You can see the wheel tracks that we left on Mars. I don't think I've ever been happier to see wheel tracks, and I've seen a lot of them. Other systems on the rover also appear to be operating well. Later this spring, scientists hope to test out a small helicopter the rover brought with it. If it worked, it would be the first aerial vehicle to ever take off and land on another planet. Jeff Brumfield, NPR News. Officials in California say on a limited basis they'll allow people to attend Major League Baseball games and other outdoor sporting events, go to Disneyland, and watch live performances starting April 1st. That would coincide with baseball's opening day. California divides the counties into four color-coded tiers based on the spread of the virus. I'm Jack Spear, NPR News. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. California plans to almost double vaccine allocations to vulnerable populations, with state officials vowing to send 40 percent of doses to communities hit hardest by the coronavirus pandemic. KQED's health correspondent April Domboski has more on how the state plans to do this. Acknowledging a vaccine rollout plagued with inequities, Governor Gavin Newsom laid out some simple stats. Low-income households earning $40,000 a year have seen double the rate of infections as higher-income households. At the same time, insult to injury, households earning over $120,000 have twice the access to vaccines. That is what we have to reconcile. We have to own up to that. Newsom stood under a basketball net in a gym-turned-vaccination site in Stockton to explain how the state is now redirecting twice as many vaccines to zip codes like these. Zip codes where limited access to health care, transportation, and safe housing leads to higher disease burdens. African-American community, yes, but disproportionately even more so on the Latino community in California. To get the vaccines to the right people, the governor said the state will invest in mobile units to deliver doses directly to homebound seniors or farm workers in the field. And in the future, the state says counties will not be allowed to reopen more businesses until their hardest hit communities are getting vaccinated. You can't safely reopen your economy until we get this disease behind us. Newsom said the state also wants to do better at preventing more affluent people from taking vaccine appointments intended for disadvantaged groups. For the California Report, I'm April Domboski. 
Let's go to the state capitol now, where a state lawmaker wants to make it easier for people who have been convicted of a crime and completed their sentence to erase that conviction from their record. KQED's Marisa Lagos explains. An estimated 8 million Californians have criminal or arrest records that prevent them from doing fundamental things, like getting a job or securing housing. Los Angeles State Senator Maria Elena Durazo says, Men and women have completed the sentence they were given. Many of them took classes enrolled in counseling while they were incarcerated. After their release, instead of being able to put their new skills to use, they are hit with hundreds, if not thousands, of restrictions and limitations that keep them from building a new life. Durazo's legislation calls for all arrest records that don't result in a conviction to be sealed, as well as those of people convicted of most felonies who have finished their prison or jail time and their parole or probation and stayed out of trouble for two years. Sex offenders would not be eligible. I say when an individual has taken responsibility for their actions, completed a sentence, California should provide them the tools, turn the page and give them the new opportunities. Los Angeles resident Stephanie Jeffcoat says she spent 10 years in and out of jail for crimes related to her drug addiction. But after getting sober, she saw job offers rescinded because of that record. You know, when is our time ever going to be done? I have paid. I've served my time. Jeffcoat says allowing people to move on from their past convictions will make everyone safer by giving both hope and opportunity. For The California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. Support for the California Report comes from California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about health care, on the web at chcf.org voices. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2022 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere. We're going to go to the Central Coast now, to the city of Pacific Grove near Monterey, which has long been known as Butterfly Town, USA. But conservationists whose job is to protect monarch butterflies suffered a double blow last year, when both state and federal governments refused to grant them protections as an endangered species. Here's Erica Mahoney from our partner station KAZU. Eucalyptus, Monterey pines, and cypress trees tower over a dirt path that meanders through Pacific Grove's monarch butterfly sanctuary. Not long ago, monarchs would have covered almost every branch. Today, the orange and black symbol of Pacific Grove is nowhere in sight. Connie Masadi has been counting Western monarchs for almost 10 years. I've actually sat in the parking lot the first couple of times and and actually cried in my car because I've seen it coming, but I did not think I would not be able to find one monarch. Back in the late 90s, at least 45,000 monarchs showed up to this sanctuary. It's a place where monarchs come to spend the winter. But this year, it's empty. Statewide, less than 2,000 monarchs were recorded overwintering along California's coast this year, a 99.9% drop since the 1980s. The decline of monarchs has been gradual but accelerated in the last few years. I think that was a wake-up call to a lot of people and agencies that we had taken the monarch for granted that it would always be here. 
because they were so prolific. One of the biggest threats to the population is the development of overwintering sites for housing or golf courses. Habitat loss from climate change, including wildfire, is another big factor. Despite these threats, a California court recently ruled butterflies do not fall under the California Endangered Species Act. Soon after, U.S. Fish and Wildlife said monarchs deserve federal protection, but declined to list them as endangered at this time. So for now, it's up to people, nonprofits, and communities to help. Caleb Schneider manages Pacific Grove Sanctuary. We thought otters were extinct for quite some time, and then they found a little group of them in the Big Sur. So there's always hope. It's amazing what nature's able to accomplish. We just have to provide nature the space to do it. Last year, he and volunteers planted 70 new trees in the sanctuary. Conservationists like him say Californians who live on the coast should also plant native nectar-rich plants like manzanita or black sage to help. For the California Report, I'm Erica Mahoney in Pacific Grove. And that is the California Report for this Friday, March 5th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Holly J. McDeed, and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great weekend. In the regional weekend weather forecast, rain expected in our region this evening and overnight. Moderate to heavy snow will be possible for a time over the Sierra late tonight and into early Saturday, with effects on mountain travel likely. Increased southerly winds with gusts 25 to 35 miles per hour are expected tonight over the Sacramento Valley and the Sierra. Quiet weather settles back in Saturday afternoon into Sunday. Cooler, wetter weather is on tap next week with the best chance for rain and snow on Tuesday. Low snow levels are likely to affect mountain travel. In tonight's weather for Nevada City and Grass Valley, showers starting at about 10 p.m. evolving into steady rain overnight with a low of 49 degrees. About a quarter of an inch of rain is forecast for tonight with skies becoming mostly cloudy Saturday morning and sunny Saturday afternoon with a high around 50 degrees. Mostly sunny Sunday with highs in the low 50s and a low of 39. On Monday afternoon in Grass Valley and Nevada City, a more significant storm is expected to move in with rain and possible snow showers and low temperatures in the 30s. In Truckee, partly cloudy this evening, giving way to snow with an overnight low around 30 degrees. Chance of snow overnight is 90%, with 1 to 3 inches expected. On Saturday in Truckee, cloudy in the morning and mainly sunny skies in the afternoon, with a high of 43 and a low of 20. Mostly sunny Sunday in Truckee, with a high of 47 and a low of 21. Snow showers are expected to move into the Truckee area Monday, lasting into Wednesday. In Sacramento, cloudy tonight with periods of rain and a low around 45 degrees. Partly cloudy Saturday with a high of 63 degrees and a low of 38. The best chance for showers in Sacramento will be early Tuesday into Wednesday.
In Concert, Sierra's Bach to the Future Education and Outreach Program presents its third and final Spring Student Showcase at 2 p.m. Sunday. These musical showcases have provided students with a virtual opportunity to demonstrate their hard work to the community. According to In Concert Sierra, teachers have found online recitals for family and community to be highly beneficial to their students' growth. Students practice for hours to learn a piece of music, and recitals can give them a sense of pride and accomplishment for their hard work. The students performing Sunday range from ages 9 to 17. They are Eva Floyd on trumpet and on piano, Elsa Gray, Leander Giuliani, Ariana Tour, Jacob Crenshaw, Baraka Anderson, and Malachi Ludlam. The 30-minute student showcase can be streamed online at inconcertsierra.org or at the In Concert Sierra YouTube channel. All three recitals will remain available on YouTube. The Nevada County Arts Council has announced the winners of its 2021 Poetry Out Loud County Championships. Eliza Tudor, Executive Director of the Arts Council, said that pulling off the Poetry Championships was a miracle in the time of COVID. This year, she said, with dedicated coaching sessions and the championships all happening online, it was an act of faith that students would derive something of real value from it, and yet they did. The first place winner is Connie Krautkramer of Sierra Academy of Expeditionary Learning. Georgina Caruncho, also of Sale, was in second place, and Donnell Suhead Flynn received third prize. Honorary mentions for distinguished achievement went to Becca Callahan, Xavier Jalden Hartso, and Ava Ruse. Nevada County's winners may compete in the state championships, which will take place online, and one winner will be selected to represent California in the national competition at the end of April. The finalists also will have an opportunity to present their poems at the 5th Annual Sierra Poetry Festival, which culminates online on April 10th and 11th. The Miners Foundry in downtown Nevada City will present live acoustic music by Christopher Lee Hescock from 2 to 5 p.m. Sunday. Hescock has played music in Nevada County since 2002 with the Diane Breed Band. The Foundry Cafe is now open from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday and Sunday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Thursday, and 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Friday. Food and beverages are available to go or at the Foundry's socially distanced outdoor seating areas, which are equipped with heaters and fire pits. One week from tonight, the Sam Chase Trio will perform live from the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley at 7 p.m. San Francisco singer-songwriter The Sam Chase will be joined by Chandra Johnson on violin and cellist Devin McClive for a concert of chamber Americana music performed live on the stage at the Center for the Arts. This March 12th concert is a live streaming event that requires ticketing. While the Center maintains that the live experience is best, ticket holders also will have 48 hours to access the show. Members of the Center get free tickets to the live experience and unlimited access to watch the replay in the member library online. Tickets and membership information are available online at the centerforthearts.org by calling 530-274-8384 or visiting the box office in downtown Grass Valley. The box office is open Wednesdays and Fridays between noon and 4 p.m.
Next up, Felton Pruitt interviews Paul Cam of Achilles' Wheel about the year he threw his calendar away and how he and his bandmates expect to move forward. We're talking with Paul Cam from Achilles' Wheel. Hey, Paul, how is life going in 2021? Well, life is still going, Felton, and, you know, beyond that, that's a rabbit hole just like any other rabbit hole you might imagine. So, you know, all I can say is we're still here, and we have, you know, hopes and, and I wouldn't say plans, but we have uh, hopes and, and aspirations to play live music again, which is kind of where, you know, it all started for all of us. At some point, we made records and recordings, but, you know, playing live music was really the the pulse that got us interested in the first place. So... All I can say right now is that taking a year to what looks like maybe a year and a half at the very least away from being able to do the kind of thing that we're used to with people out there dancing and yelling and sweating and all the rest of that, I think that uh, it's a truly strange experience. But, you know, we're ready for it again. Did Achilles Wheel get together back in, say, March or April of last year? and have a meeting and say, and kind of try and figure out how you were going to go forward, not knowing what 2020 was really going to throw at us? Well, it wasn't exactly a meeting. I think that what happened was, I recall we did our last full band thing was with uh, New Monsoon. We did a couple of gigs, one in Auburn for, for Scott Holbrook, and then we played the next night down at Terrapin Crossroads with those guys. And that was valentine's day weekend in february last year and then you know the trio took a trip down to southern california uh, to play in amargosa and had a nice week out there but then we came back and pretty soon after that one gig got canceled and then another one and then pretty soon i just threw my calendar away because there was nothing that was going to stay on it and you know i think that at that point i would definitely say that we were concerned you know what are we going to do and really, fortunately for us, we had done a series of live recordings during 2019. And because we were so busy, we kept saying, oh, yeah, yeah, this will be a great thing. We'll get around to putting out a live CD at some point. And the silver lining, if there is one for us, was that we were sitting on, I don't know, 20 hours of live recordings that maybe even more than that. And uh, at some point in the spring, as we were getting pretty clear on the fact that we were going to be sitting at home for a long time. We started throwing around the idea that now would be the time to make this live CD. And it went from being a live CD to a double CD. And then we looked at all the songs that were going to have to be put aside because they couldn't fit on two CDs. And we said, well, you know, what the hell, let's make a three CD set. And that'll be what we have to offer for 2020. And that was a marvelous three CD set that's out there right now. And you got a nice little nod to our buddy Wesley Robertson off of it, too. Exactly. And I do, I do really think for us, and I'm sure a lot of artists uh, all across the spectrum would agree with this kind of thing, for us personally, it gave us a touchstone. It gave us a place that we could go for a period of time and reconnect with each other and with our music. And then we put out this CD and we did the CD release party at the Center for the Arts live stream uh, at the end of August. And, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. We're not playing, so we've, we've invested our time and, and resources in, in putting out this live CD. And people stepped right up and started buying them. And we have, just in case you want to know, we have a lot more. So, you know, as we go into 2021, 
one of the things that, that the guys are talking about is getting together at our home studios again and putting together a new studio CD. And that'll probably be out, you know, around summertime. Hopefully we'll start playing again then. And uh, I, I can't predict anything, but we're going to be ready with a new CD. And, and until then, we, we do hope people will uh, pick up a copy of this uh, live on Wesley's Road and enjoy that in the meantime. You are tuned to the KVMR Evening News. We're in the middle of an interview with Paul Cam from Achilles Wheel, finding out how one of the most popular bands in our area is surviving during this COVID pandemic and how they're going to move forward into the future. Has the band had the conversation about when things kind of get a little better, are you all going to get vaccinated so that you can play together and go out? Well, you know, I, I can't speak for everyone, but the feeling I get is that while this is a pretty fast-tracked vaccine and no one really knows what the long-term side effects may be, I, for one, feel feel that I will have one, and, and I, I think that everyone is in their own way, is, is prepared to, to step up to that. Because, you know, the way it's going right now, the uncertainty of a vaccine developed this quickly is, is certainly a real thing. But the certainty of what is going on right now is even worse. And I just, uh, you know, I, I encourage people, if they, if they are going to get it, great. If they're not going to get it, then please be responsible and stay the heck away from me. Have you come up with any new ways to generate revenue that you've created since this pandemic started? I mean, you've been a musician for a long, long time, and you've ma- basically made your living through music. What other ways are you finding to survive now? Well, you know, that's a little tricky. I think, you know, we were in, in a way, I, I think a lot of the, maybe some of the younger artists are a little bit more adept with the, the new mediums that music is shared and purchased on. One of the things that's interesting about when this pandemic happened is because it, it, it came at a time when the old media of CDs was starting to be kind of crushed by the, the online sharing and distribution and whatnot, streaming. And I don't think everyone had fully morphed into the new reality of that. So we're maybe not really up to speed on how to make a full living doing this kind of thing, and I'm not sure how many people really are. I do know that the uh, internet is awash with all of us trying to put on shows and make a little money that way. But, you know, I think that the, really for us, one of the things that felt really solid was doing something in an old school fashion. And that was, like I said, making this live on Wesley's Road three CD set was something physical and tangible that felt like the right thing to be doing right now. And we have managed to touch our, our audience in a place in their hearts, I think, where they have that to, to hang with during this time. And I guess for me, one of the things I feel is that there are significant changes that have been made and will continue to be made in this industry. But as far as whether or not live music is going to come back, all I can say is that, you know, after 1918, 1919, the music scene in this country boomed. And uh, I, I am hoping... I'm not going to say I'm going to trust it, but I'm hoping that that sort of human nature replays itself again because people need to gather and they need to they need to have that experience. I think if anything, one thing this pandemic has shown us is that hanging out by yourself all the time can make you crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What gives you hope that you're going to be able to continue doing your music your way? Because we're stuck.
stubborn. I know that's not a real answer, but yeah, but actually, actually it, I is. Think it is. I think it. It is an answer. So I think that really to, you know, I, again, I won't speak for, for all the other guys, but I, I know that I've been around them long enough to know that one of the things that we hadn't played together much this year at all, and when we got together to do that Center for the Arts live stream, there was an electricity that we all felt that is pretty indescribable. And I have, I have felt sure throughout however long this is going to take that when the time comes, we're going to come back just as strong and with as much love for what we're doing as we had in the first place. And so I don't worry about that. I just hope that uh, everyone stays grounded, keep your feet on the ground, and let's just get through this and move on. That was Paul Cam from Achilles Wheel talking about how the band has survived during the last year and how they're moving forward. That's our newscast. Coming up next at 6.30 on the California Report, parents, teachers, and students weigh in on the debate around reopening schools. Then at 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Your opinion is valuable to us, so don't forget to fill out our listener survey. You can find it at kvmr.org survey. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and airs at 6 p.m. every Monday through Friday. If you have an opinion you'd like to share, we invite you to submit a commentary to news at kvmr.org. Commentary guidelines can be found at kvmr.org under the News section. Have a great weekend.